Hi, and welcome to More Human, More Resources, the HR podcast for entrepreneurs. I'm Vicki Brown, your host and CEO of Edomineo Enterprises. As a serial entrepreneur, I understand that having the right expert help has been critical to my success. That's why I'm dedicated to telling you, in plain language, what's going on in the world of HR that might impact your business and what you need to do about it with real actionable tips to help you master that list of must-dos and grow your leadership muscle. First things first, the information contained in this podcast is provided for general purposes only and is not to be considered legal advice. Your decision to adopt or not adopt any practice or procedure mentioned in this podcast is solely yours and we bear no responsibility for the outcome. We urge you to always consult legal counsel and other appropriate licensed professionals. And with that, let's get into the show. You're listening to Season 1, Episode 1. In this week's episode, our question of the day is how to get the right person in the right seat. But before we do a deep dive on that question, let's take a quick look at what's happening around the nation. Dealing with COVID-19 is a challenge for everyone, and now employers are seeing there is more peril ahead. It appears that since March, more than 1,000 lawsuits against employers around COVID and COVID-related issues have been filed by employees. Now, everyone is subject to these employee lawsuits, but the states that seem to be leading the pack are New Jersey, New York, Florida, and yes, you guessed it, California. Employees certainly are bringing lawsuits against employers because they feel like their employers aren't providing sufficient protection for their health. But suits are also focused on retaliation, discrimination, leaves, and wrongful termination. And that's mostly due to employers just kind of incorrectly managing furloughs and layoffs. On the safety front, there's a Federal Occupational Safety and Health Administration, or OSHA, which I'm sure you've heard of, but many states also have expanded safety guidelines under the state's OSHA. You have to know what's required of you by both entities. Start with the state because that will be the most restrictive of the two in most cases. It's critical that you know and understand new federal leave laws, such as the Families First Act and any other expanded leave protections in your state. You should always consult labor counsel prior to any planned furloughs or layoffs. There's a Byzantine patchwork of laws at both the local and federal level, and you'll really need a professional to help you unravel those. And then there's the question of what to do if one of your employees tests positive or lives with someone who tests positive or was at a party where someone tested positive. How you handle it should involve both the current laws on the subject and the policies that you have in place at your business. Oh, by the way, if you don't have policies in your handbook on dealing with COVID, you should get that done right away. Your handbook policies are your first line of defense. So, what are your next steps? Well, I've put a link to an excellent resource on COVID and workplace-related issues for employers in the show notes. You should definitely visit that link often. Also, review your employee handbook to be sure your policies are updated to incorporate the latest requirements. And don't forget, the most important thing is to train your managers and anyone in a supervisory position on their responsibilities because they manage the teams. 
After all, they are the front line, and if they don't get it right, it may not matter that the company is trying to get it right. All right, let's move on to anti-harassment training. Connecticut, California, Delaware, Illinois, New York State, and in fact, the city of New York all require regular anti-harassment training for employees. In addition, there are 14 other states, such as Colorado, Florida, Hawaii, Massachusetts, Ohio, Utah, Tennessee, Maryland, Michigan, Oklahoma, Rhode Island, Vermont, and Wisconsin, and they all encourage employers to conduct training. So what does that mean for you? Well, most states require interactive training, meaning that it's not sufficient just to put everyone in a room and run a video. And they also have expanded requirements to include anti-discrimination, anti-gender identity discrimination, workplace bullying, and other forms of discrimination or harassment. So your next steps are to understand your state's requirements. And again, with the handbook policy, it's required for most states. So you really need to make sure that you have the proper policies laid out in your handbook. Carefully track the timelines. When, how often, and how will training be triggered? It might be triggered by new hires, but it also might be triggered by promotions because supervisors many times have more involved training requirements. And finally, even if it isn't mandated for you, you should really do it anyway. It not only provides more protection for your business, it helps make your culture more inclusive and it shows your employees that their comfort is important to you. Do you know what an interactive conversation is? Well, if you don't, you should brush up on the American with Disabilities Act, also known as the ADA. An interactive conversation is the discussion you should have with any employee who brings forward their need to be accommodated due to a disability. During the interactive process, you'll work with the employee or candidate to figure out what accommodation can be provided to them. Now, effective January 1st, California has expanded the list of who qualifies for protection under the state's disability protection laws. The definition of disability has been expanded to include a number of disorders, no matter if they're chronic or episodic, such as HIV AIDS, hepatitis, epilepsy, seizure disorders, diabetes, clinical depression, bipolar disorder, MS, and heart disease. The state has also expanded the causes of legal action. If you don't engage in a timely, good faith interactive process, you leave your business open to exposure. And you can't inquire about mental or physical disability or medical condition unless it's job related and consistent with business necessity. I really read that as you don't ask, let them tell. So your next steps. You should work with your labor counsel or HR professional on developing a defined interactive process. And again, train, train, train your managers and frontline supervisors, because in most cases, they will be the first ones to be approached by an employee seeking an accommodation. Now, on to the question of the day. Get the right person in the right seat on the bus. You've probably heard this expression before, but what the heck does it mean and why would it matter to you and your business? Right person, right seat. It's an expression made famous by Jim Collins in his book, Good to Great, which focuses on why some companies move on to become great companies and unfortunately some don't. 
Now, you might be thinking, I'm not some multinational corporation. I don't think this type of theory would even apply to me. Well, it does, for the simple reason that no matter how large or small your business, and no matter what stage your business is in, having the wrong talent or the right talent trying to do the wrong thing is stressful. It's stressful for you and for the rest of your team, and it will limit your forward progress and cause you to miss valuable opportunities. It just takes a lot of time and energy to deal with bad or wrong performance. In this episode, we're going to talk about three pillars to focus on when you're trying to figure out who will best go where. So first up, hire well. I know that sounds like common advice, but it's common for a reason. You have to get the right people on your team. But to do that, you need to know well what you need. Crafting a description of the job duties and responsibilities has to always be the first step in hiring because you need to know what you're hiring for. Now, once you have an idea of what type of skills and experience you need, then you have to carefully go through the interviewing process. Now, I know you may be feeling stressed because you need someone now. There's just too much to get done. You need the help right now. But I say the construction term, measure three times, cut once, would certainly apply here. It's much better to take your time evaluating candidates so you can be sure they have what you need versus the massive time it takes on the back end to try to unravel a bad hire. People use lots of different techniques to interview candidates. They do panel interviews. They ask seemingly unrelated questions like, what kind of tree would you say you are and why? I've heard use the three by three method, interview the person in three different settings by three different people. You may find that one of these or something else really resonates with you and your style. So go for it. Just make sure you've crafted a good job description. You use whatever method consistently with all candidates and you steer clear of illegal questions like, are you married? Do you have a car? And the process you decide to use actually gets you the information that you need. Two more points about interviewing. Be aware of the horns and halo effect. It's human nature to get a first impression and then spend the rest of the interview looking only for things that reinforce that impression. For instance, say the candidate is late to the interview. Not that I'm saying it's a good thing, but for this example, let's say that they're late. Now, during the rest of the meeting, you may find yourself focusing only on the things that seem to reinforce that he's uncommitted or doesn't pay attention to details. That's the horns and halo effect, and it works in both directions, with both good first impressions and bad ones. But you want to remain able to really hear everything so you can make an intelligent, unclouded decision. So stop over-focusing on things that reinforce what you're thinking. Leave your first impressions at the door. The other thing is, you're going to have to prepare for the interview. I know, I'm sorry, but there is just no way around it. To make the most of the meeting and get the information you need, you can't just wing it. I'm a professional and I can't just wing it. You have to prepare. 
look at their resume and cover letter or application video or whatever. Look carefully at the job description. Note where they are aligned and where they aren't and focus your questions on additional information you feel you need and those areas that don't seem to be in alignment. The next pillar is know what the seats are so you know how to fill them. Sure, you've developed a job description, but where does that job fit with the rest of the business? How is the position related to other team members and their manager? All this to say, you need to have an organization chart, something that shows you how one job relates to another, how, if, and where responsibilities might overlap, and what the reporting relationships are. Do you have a lot of people doing the same thing? Or will this position be one of a kind in the company? Because if it's one of a kind, you may need to look for someone who deals well with autonomy and is self-driven. Another great tool is the future org chart. That's an org chart based on what you think the company will look like in three to five years. Something like a future org chart can be really helpful in showing you what a growth path for the position might look like. Are you hiring for a marketing coordinator now, but in three to five years you think you're going to need a marketing director? Well, can the coordinator position grow into the director position? And if so, how? What is the path? What is the process? What additional skills will they need? What experiences will help them grow? How can you make sure those experiences happen for them? See, it all goes in the soup of getting the right person sitting in the right seat. And here's a little pro tip. When you're hiring, be sure to get some utility players as well as the specialists, because utility players can wear more than one hat and wear it well. They're critical to businesses that are evolving and fast growing. The third pillar is to make sure you get the wrong people off the bus completely. It doesn't do you, the business, or them any good to leave them hanging. Unfortunately, a critical skill all business leaders must have is the ability to have the difficult conversation. First, identify where there's a problem. Then figure out how you can solve the problem. Does the person need more training? Closer supervision? Are they in the wrong seat? How can you fix it? Can you try them in another job to see if there's a fit? Get them more training? Have their manager give them more personal support? Remember, the first choice is to always find a way to successfully retain talent. You'll note I said successfully. I do not mean keep someone at all costs or letting them do a marginal job. But if you can figure out a way to truly turn the situation around, that's always the first choice. It's cheaper because replacing people costs a lot of money and makes everyone happier in the end. But if you aren't getting the job performance you need, then you will have to let them go. Do it with dignity and grace, but do it. It's ultimately better for everyone involved and better for the growth of your business. If you found this information helpful, please leave a review and tell a friend. Thanks for spending the time. Until next week, same time, same place.